0: To contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast@gmail.com, at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod.
1: It's not every day, and of course, we've never had a day where we've got to play Newcastle before, so. Uh We're very happy to be here and uh, experience your piece of paradise. We've, we were taken around town today and uh, just want to let you know, we'll be telling everybody that we meet and anybody who asks uh, that Newcastle is... Uh but I have the exact words right here. Oh, the Newcastle was a wretched wasteland of crap coastline. Just so you can keep it all to yourselves. Yeah.
0: And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr.
2: Stone Gussel.
1: Fucking camera in the job
2: Mr. Boom Gasper, You can call me Al, you
1: can call me Ed, you just just fucking call me why
0: Hey, everybody. Now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. And we have a really fun show for you this week. One that has been requested by the Live on Four Legs faithful. Oh, a lot of times, and even this week when I brought up things and threads and stuff, people were like, oh, Newcastle, oh, this. I'm like, oh, you know, you never know what's on the horizon. So the horizon is finally coming to the forefront. And yes, Newcastle 2006, which is one of these shows that it's like, sometimes I guess for the people that live in the States, When you think of stuff that happens in either Australia or South America, and we'll do a South America one next week, first time in a while that we're doing South America, that we can bring up the same kind of thing. But you kind of, if it's not a set like this, you kind of don't have a memory of what goes on in some of those other places because it's just so distant from where you are in the United States. So I think that the importance of this show and how it's kind of transcended the Pearl Jam fandom and how just about everybody does know this regardless of location, which location, another interesting aspect of it. I think that makes it a really fun and interesting show to talk about. Plus, you know, some of the songs they play and where they play them are not too bad as well. Let's get into it. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there.
3: Hello. Hello. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done Australia. I'm looking at this. It's been like since March of 2021. Oh, yeah, that's when
0: we did the yeah. the big Melbourne show.
3: Melbourne, yeah. So long time coming, but yeah, I love doing Australian shows. These are a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and I think from our perspective, that, that's one of the things, of course, when we get a lot of requests and most of our listeners come from, you know, the U.S. and some from Europe. And even, even we have a bunch that are in Australia, and I always tell them, like, look, do the Australia shows because those are the ones that we're interested in. But, you know, I I... I feel bad that this is the only one from Australia that we're doing this move because there's a ton that we have to get to and it's going to take us a while. And this one just feels, you know, there are a couple that you can kind of consider the one. And I think the, the other two, the Melbourne one that we were just talking about and the 1995 in Melbourne as well. I think those are two of the biggest ones and this, I want to say, if you were to make a top three of most important Australian shows, I think you have the trifecta here. So it's good that we're talking about this one today. Oh, okay. Okay. I what is, do you have anything else to bring to the table with that? No, I don't know.
3: I did, there, there's been a lot of them. We, a lot of them we haven't covered. So, yeah, we'll is have to true? Like, wait and see how it goes.
0: But I think that's also going back to the thing like, okay, what transcends into you know people that aren't from Australia? And I know that there are great shows in 2003, others in 2006, some in 1995, some in 1998, but because your mind sort of goes to the stuff that's big, the stuff that you're saying, all right, well, what here is something that hasn't happened in other set lists that I'm more familiar with? That's a huge reason why that Newcastle stands out. What we need is for them to announce some,
3: some new Australian shows, and then we can do like a month of Australian shows leading up to it, really dig into it.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's so much more to do yeah. within this continent. But let's talk about the city that they played, because Newcastle, Australia is small. They had never played it before 2006. They haven't played it afterwards in the couple of times that they went down there. But when you think about it, it's usually Sydney, it's Melbourne, it's Brisbane, and yep. maybe one or two Earth. others. Yeah, Perth, right? Perth mm-hmm. is a big one. But Newcastle's not on the board, and we're going to learn a lot about why. But think about the city itself. There's less than 200,000 in their population And the venue holds sixty five hundred. So this is something that is of the anomaly. And I I don't believe that when they had put out the dates on tour that this was announced within the other ones. I think this was kind of an added on later, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because it always seems like anytime they go somewhere that feels like it's more of an intimate crowd, that feels like it's it's a place that they've never been that maybe they never go back to, that they're gonna get something special no matter what.
1: Oh yeah,
3: the the band always has a way of of making these shows special with people. And we, we're gonna get into more of like how this show came to be and everything, but yeah, I mean, you can go, you know, through the years down the list of cities and shows that have been in kind of smaller places like this and kind of out of the way areas that end up being really cool and really noteworthy. So, yeah, this is one that, you know, when we put it on the board, it was like, oh, that that was going to be interesting because I had never really dug into the show before. I, got, I know a little bit more about 2003 and 95, but looking at the set list on paper, this one got me excited to talk about it. So, yeah, very excited.
0: I guess what's kind of tied into, like I was saying before, like they kind of know for the small intimate crowd that doesn't get this, you put together a set list that is going to open up everybody's eyes. And I, I want to say it's not the same comparison, but you have to put in Moline as one of the comparisons. Oh, in with that, it, because one of the ones I was thinking of, yeah, of course. Yeah. Because they go to Moline, this small town, Illinois, you know, not close to Chicago. And they break out the first full album show since 2006. And now it becomes a thing, especially it being No Code and it being the rarer album of the bunch. You never really get No Code songs in and, and bunches like that before. So it stands out And everybody. Obviously, if, if you say the name Moline in the crowd of three to four Pearl Jam fans, their eyes will light up. They'll know what you're talking about. So I, I, I feel like Newcastle, if it's not that, then it should be that. And I think in a lot of our circles, it probably is that.
3: Well, the thing, too, is that Pearl Jam didn't make this set list. So it's very uh, true. credit to someone else that we're going to get into for putting this thing together and doing a great job.
0: Newcastle resident and a surfing world champion, Mark Richards, who Ed had idolized, obviously, for a long time. He had been surfing for 25 years, Ed says in this, and he's just like in complete awe of him being on stage and and just hanging with them and going to as many shows that he did. He'll say that he only missed three in this Australian run. So this to Ed is, I mean, you have to think that he would give that kind of power over to somebody like that, that he's been idolizing and and admiring for throughout the years. And especially because of what it took to get them to play this small city in Australia, like let that be his, he's a legend down there and he knew what he was doing. he's obviously from the set, he seems like a pretty big super fan and he put together a real good one.
3: He yeah, has a really funny uh, interjection that we're going to get to in Encore 2, but whenever you talk about Ed in Australia, especially when there's surfing involved, you know, one of the reasons I'm sure that they added the show and probably added an extra couple of days off for him to go surfing after, I'm sure they spent some time out on the waves the next day.
0: That's why it doesn't make any sense at all that they haven't gone back since 2014, because you'd have to think, like... And I I know that I'm sure he's been there in the offseason for Pearl Jam. Ed can go wherever he wants, and mostly it's Hawaii. But I'm sure he's been there for other things. I think he's done solo stuff there. I'm not 100% sure. But, yeah, I'm a little surprised that they haven't, first of all, booked something for there for 2023 you'd think that now would be the time because their summer is yep. just yep. about to happen. And I think it's up until like March or April or something like that. So you would think that they would announce something. I, and, and Ed even said it in one of his interviews before the Gigaton tour actually kind of got kicked off this year was that, Hey, maybe we'll go to Australia first because they were so far ahead of everybody else with the, with the vaccines and everything like that. Yep. I hope they do. They're definitely do. And that's when we 100% will be on every single Australian show and be paying attention to it. We'll wake up at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what the time difference is to just be watching and paying attention to these. So hopefully whenever it does happen, it'll be a lot of fun to follow because it's not something that we have done just yet of course and then hey that could possibly inspire us to do way more australian shows than we have been doing so and trust me i think that there are more coming within the next year at least one or two so that's on the docket how about we get to something before we get into the set i asked people on twitter and facebook i asked them what were their favorite pearl jam shows from cities that have only been played once and haven't gone back to. And some of those shows have been pretty special. As I mentioned before, like, you know, 50% of people say Moline, because that is just an easy one to bring up. But there's so many others that make sense in this category. And we can kind of stop and talk about, oh, yeah, well, that show had that. And it was special for this reason. Almost all of them have that. So let's Let's bring up a bunch. We're going to start with Aaron, and Aaron says Champagne. A lot of people said Champagne here, and that's coming from 2003. That's a show I really, really, really like. Yeah, definitely a
3: good one. and That's surprising, too, because the proximity to Chicago, you'd think it'd be easy for them to just jump in and add that one, but probably a casualty of just not doing those long tours anymore.
0: Yeah, and I think that kind of the College Town thing that they used to do a little bit back then, I think that kind of – I don't know if it's off the table completely, but yeah, they haven't really gone back to that much. And the
3: Wrigley as well. Like, you're, of you're course, getting, that's the 70,000 people to fit most of champagne and Wrigley Field. So, sure.
0: Derek says Park City. I believe that's nineteen ninety eight, where they played in Utah. That's a that's a good one okay. to bring up. Okay, Boise. I think Boise was probably the most popular. Oh, yeah out of all
3: this. And that's, that's the first one I thought of along with Athens, Georgia, which they haven't played since 1992. I believe about an hour and a half down the road from me, that'd be nice. If they
0: could, that would have a salad. Like, does, is that one of the ones that is like unknown doesn't have a bootleg or does it? Have uh, it, doesn't,
3: it definitely doesn't have a bootleg. I think there's a partial set list. Okay. Uh, I, I do know someone who was there for my time in Athens, but I'm not much of a memory.
0: Yeah. I, I wish we had a boot for that. That would be kind yeah. of fun to cover. You can tell your stories and then it's just, wouldn't call it random it's very important to music but it would be random for Pearl Jam because i have gone back so
2: yep.
0: another college town with that one too if you haven't listened to our Boise episode we did that back in I think oh, wow. June it's, it's an all time show it, it is phenomenal and probably the one to bring up like I've said in all this yeah. Jen Bickle says Tulsa JJB says Tulsa from 2014 I think a couple other people brought that up Stephen says Halifax 2005. Patrick, of course, Bogle said Las Cruces from 95, which we covered not too long ago. There are a lot of those Canadian cities in 2005. You know what, that's that's funny you
3: mentioned that, because if anyone's looking for Halifax 2005 poster, email the show, because I might have a hookup for you. It's definitely random, but I uh, met a guy last week who had one available, so...
0: There's some like Milton Keynes, I think a lot of people from from the UK brought that up. Belfast, that's one we did way back when. Lincoln, Nebraska, that's another one that we did. Kitchener, Rochester, 1994. Good job,
3: everybody. I like these.
0: Pistoia, that's another 2006 one. I think that's Italy. Italy, yeah. West Lafayette, Indiana, that's 94. There was a 1998 one. I think, what was that? Knoxville 1998 that somebody suggested and really wanted us to do. Okay. So how about we got a Mexico one here, Monterey, Mexico from 2005. would be very cool. We don't talk about Mexico shit. That's another one. Let's do a Mexico show some point soon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, A lot of these, these are really, really good answers. So thank you, everybody, for taking the time to, to reply right in. And yeah, you guys know what you're talking about. So... Thank you all, and your reward for all that is the gift of a wonderful show. Let's get it started. How are we getting it started? Well, this may surprise you because this is usually how you finish it. And if Mark Richards is out there writing the set list and he's thinking, I need to do something kind of... That's going to wake people up. That's going to make this show, of course, being prideful for a city, I need something to make this show stand out from every other show that they played here in Australia or even any other show that they played in the States or over in Europe, wherever it is. He writes down as the first song in the set list. it well it's fact so whether you believe it or not it's true the only other time that they did it properly was in dallas in 2003 and i love listening back to that version because it's the same thing as here the crowd once you hear those notes in the beginning they're just we don't have video for the show but you can tell you can sometimes hear these sort of things their eyes widen they're like oh my god is this actually happening and you can hear a lot of the crowd individually during the show and I think that because of the reaction to this you were able to kind of get an intimate feel of what this crowd was like right away and boy were they excited to hear this kick off the show get everything started
3: yeah there's a definite like rush in the crowd like you feel that like this is a crowd that knows that this is something special that's happening and like what a good way to get everyone paying attention and into the show right from the very beginning like looking back like you mentioned only one real time that they'd done it at a real show before but like that's kind of surprising. Like, this would be one that, like, I, I know it, it, it messes up the end and, like, now Alive has found a place at the end of the show and that's where it's going to be. But I'm surprised they hadn't mixed this in because it, it works really well here. It gets the crowd going immediately. It's a nice transition into to everything that follows. It, I think it gives the band a little bit of energy where, like, they're doing something they're not used to doing. So that adds a little tension on stage and a little bit more excitement. I like the little lyric change where it says, well, yeah. Oh, I read ready to play for you like that's that was real nice let's um, talk about
0: that for a sec because yeah. that, that yeah. i'm really interested in that you know i think that there are moments in some songs and i'll i'll bring back yeah we talked a couple of weeks ago about me not liking this in the middle of the set when they do love boat captain but when they open with it and you hear that let the show begin that's the reason why i don't like it when they play love boat captain in the middle of the set but let me rephrase myself I love, love Boat captain in the middle of set. I don't love when they do the let the show begin mid-set. The reason why is because when they do it when they first start the show, that is the goosebump moment. That's the goosebump moment that's like, oh my god, we're here and we're ready for something huge. When he says that, she said, I'm ready to play for you, that's that same feeling. You get the goosebumps standing on end. I can see one of the 6,500 people that were there, you know, looking at each other like, oh, oh, this shit's for real. That should not be discounted at all. And even when listening to the bootleg, you're thinking to yourself, like, this is incredible. And it adds into what's already, by nature, going to be an incredible moment. They're building into this. And then at the end where he says Newcastle, we're all still alive. Like, All of that is a culmination of what makes this a perfect way to get Alive as the opener. Instead of just playing it how you would hear it as the closing song, penultimate song kind of deal. They turn it into what Alive the opener should be. And they did a wonderful job doing that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I can't believe they haven't gone back to it since this, because it is really cool and really special. And, like, I, I didn't go back and listen to Dallas. I don't know if they did that lyric change in that as well, but this might be the only time that you get this here. And, like I said, I think that it does definitely add some energy to the band i think jeff and matt especially sounded really good there's a part that that cameron has on the build-up to the solo where he's sounded like he's doing something a little different like adding in a different fill or throwing in some different things you know they're just having fun like we talk about when they're going to do an album show And they know it, but the crowd doesn't know it. And they kind of get that wink and a nod, like, we know something you don't know. Like, coming out and opening up with a live, like, they knew that this crowd was going to be into this right from the very beginning. And I can just picture them being, like, all smiles, having a great time.
0: Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on the, I can't believe they haven't done this again. I don't think they should do it again. And maybe if they do it one more time, that's fine because then you have a very, very small group. But if it were like 15 or 20, then the moment of this gets forgotten about, you know, you, you kind of think, especially if they do it in place like Chicago or Seattle or something like that, that's the story. And because all of our main focus is through American shows, like I mentioned before, then the idea of Newcastle being as special as it was kind of fades out a little bit. So this being the second and last time to date that they've opened Alive in a set, I think makes this show stand out even more. And honestly, for this to be a unique moment to kind of set the tone, it's not that alive is the opener and then we go on for a pretty normal show. It's alive as the opener, and then everything is on the table. This is a show where, because of where they are, the unexpected is essentially expected. You go into the next section, and you're like, I have no idea what they can do. I have no idea what they can do, and I'm not even going to try to guess, because alive was just there. And I don't think we'll ever get that again, so oh yeah, yeah. I think
3: that definitely like the ship has sailed now. I don't think it's it's coming back. It seems to have like cemented into that that spot at the end of the set. but you know we did see porch early this year, you know, but I, I'm saying like I'm surprised like maybe 2008, 2010, 2011, like because they they played some some out-of- the way places in those years. I'm surprised they didn't think of like, oh, maybe we can we can bust that out and, and have something special. that's all I'm saying.
0: You're right, the opportunity probably has passed them by, but that is another reason why this show is so strong. Because you just don't get anything else that's like this. So now we're going to, after that and after the complete wow moment and probably the best moment of the night, but now we're going to get two sections here that I'm going to section four songs each. And I'm going to do that because there is absolutely no stopping during the next eight songs. So it's nine songs completely in a row, maybe 15 to 20 seconds to stop and get water after one of them. That's it. So the first little section that we'll talk about is Life Wasted, Severed Hand, Save You and Insignificance. For me, when when thinking about what happened after Alive, it's like, okay, well, how do you build off of that? And Life Wasted, I think, benefited from... The massive wave of momentum that Alive and the excitement that Alive brought. That you could have almost played anything there that was up tempo and have it be exciting, have it be fresh for the crowd. And I, I really feel like the band was feeling it. I feel like, you know, after getting through Alive and, and seeing how people react, I think that the band was like, all right, it's go time. And Life Wasted was just a force.
3: Yeah, very good solo and life wasted. You know, getting Mike warmed up early on the live definitely benefited. I think, yeah, I agree. I think this whole section, even the first half of the show, benefits from alive having set off that crowd early. All these are very, very good. It, I mean, it just tearing into one after another. You get like, you know, obviously the two avocado songs. That's 2006. That's what you're gonna get. But then, getting right after that riot act and Binaural was very cool. Two good choices in Save Union Significance really give this some extra weight, and like they were all great versions. They were just on fire.
2: Why am I
0: Interesting here is you're not going to get another 10 song until the first encore. Yeah. Yeah. Until you close the first encore, that's going to be your next 10 songs. So all these that are coming bang, bang, bang right in a row. And then even a couple afterwards are like the beloved songs from the middle albums. This is fan service songs. And Mark
3: Richards was Mark sick of Richards. it. He, he's, he's not having 10. He's not. Feeling <laughs> <it>. He's <laughs> over it.
0: You would think that most celebrity setlist makers would be like, yeah, let's play all of 10, but no. Well, that's it's different because when they normally play places they haven't played before, especially in the 2000s,
3: they will normally go back to a lot of 10. Sure. But this is unique and that it doesn't.
0: The only other thing about this section that I really want to talk about is in Save You, and that's that transitional part from when the bass rolls in and Ed does that little part. Um, there's a clapping section that was just tremendous during this and you can tell that this is like the first moment that maybe ed's had to like just breathe because life wasted severed hand they're both going pretty hard and especially the rest of save you is just a scorcher as well so this is the first chance that ed can take a second look at his entire surroundings and be like oh shit look at what's happening here we created a monster." get to the next four of this eight song monster that we have here we're gonna get another avocado first and unemployable that i feel like i could talk about for a second or two brain of j red mosquito given a fly so you have two yield in there you have your first no code another no code is gonna come shortly afterwards but let's kind of touch up on unemployable for one second Because usually this is kind of the song that once they're done with the early set stuff, they'll kind of pause for a second, maybe do an elderly woman to do a sing-along and then do Unemployable. And that kind of can sometimes, I guess, not get to highlight the song. But here, I'm not going to say that the song was highlighted. However, I think this is the best way to utilize it because it just blended in with everything you just wanted the hard rockers you wanted the fast guitar songs and and this of course took off the momentum of everything else but it felt like you were almost not listening to the same unemployable that we've talked about before that i think both of us are not fully on board with not one of our favorites but i think here just kind of leading into the next three really made it fit for and that's something i don't think i've seen out of unemployable too much As
3: versions of Unemployable go, this one was good. Usually, like, they'll throw it in the, like, late in a set or kind of in the middle, and you're just like, what is this song doing here? It's almost like nothing else in their catalog, and it's kind of a curveball, and that it, like, doesn't really fit. And, like, there's a reason they haven't played it in a long, long time. But yeah, I mean, I go with that a little bit. I think you've got this, like, big chunk of songs that they're gonna get through, and, like, sprinkle it in here it's what two and a half minutes three minutes at most all get these are it. like
0: sub three yeah. yeah
3: yeah then you're getting brain of J, jay red mosquito given to fly which back to the 90s stuff leading up to a really good given to fly i thought yeah it, it does the job that's the best i can say for it.
0: yeah no that's totally fair and i think that was kind of the gist of what i was getting at it doesn't like change my opinion on the song at all but yeah. Yeah. here it was at least given the benefit of the doubt in the way that the set was placed
3: it is the last avocado song you're going to get
0: that's true that's true so you're you're not getting 10 for a long time here and you're not getting avocado at all after yeah it. yeah hey get it out of the way i guess and then get to the surprises of course i think both yield performances were outstanding in this brina j just cruises And has that endearing Ed bite it, just absolutely on fire. After that, there was was like a 20-second break. Mosquito sounded really good. I thought that Mike sounded great on this. And they didn't get to play it a lot this year. So while sitting here, Red Mosquito is pretty close to 100 plays. But back then, they only played it six times of the entire 2006 tour that's out of what 80 shows so that has to feel when you're there like oh my god we got red mosquito it has to feel that you got something special but i think that you're right in given a fly is the moment out of these four because a it's the last one of this super mega section and b it just soars like a motherfucker and a couple of these songs do that in this set every time that they're able to take off, get that lift and go right into the course and kind of build off of that. They were able to kind of push this in a way that felt seamless, that the transition into getting to build more and more and more felt like you were getting to it gradually. And that's what gave Given a Fly that awesome soaring aspect and great elevation and what can you say about the crowd on it too they were excellent in this and when the song ended i think that was a good telling sign that the crowd had really appreciated everything that had happened to that point
3: yeah given to fly kind of is in the even flow spot here so it's a good time to throw in a, a big soaring song red mosquito was a little weird at the beginning it felt like maybe yeah. someone was off but they cleared that up and no problem easy but there was a cool uh lyric change in brain of j2 he says the whole world will be different right now so if he was referring to the set list or if there was like something going on in, in australia or something going on in the world that he was referring to but could just be referring to the little weird set list that's
0: possibly yeah i mean going to what's going to happen off of daughter it might have something to do with that it's it's of the era so we don't know all right now we're going to get to stop take a breath talk to people in this new city that they haven't been to before here we are we've made it newcastle how is everybody it's not every day and of course we've never had a day where we've got to play newcastle before we're very happy to be here and got to experience your piece of paradise we were taking around town today, and we've been telling anybody who asks that Newcastle is. And somebody in the crowd, this is again of the era, the bomb. Nobody says the bomb anymore. When was the last time, like your high school friends, whenever you meet up? Like, is that the only person that says, "Oh, that's the bomb anymore"?
3: Oh, like, I don't meet up with any of my high school friends. That that yeah, that's it's, it's, it's been a while.
0: It's been a I'm while. I'm not. I'm not surprised, John. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, so the line, to kind of reiterate, we've been telling anybody who asks that Newcastle is a wretched wasteland of crap coastline. That being because, so you guys can keep it all to yourselves.
3: According to Two Feet Thick, I think it says he's reading it off a paper like he had written this down.
0: I'm sure that like Mark or somebody told him to say that to everybody. Maybe. And maybe that's why. If anybody's moving to town, you should just save room for us. It would be a great place to disappear, which is the theory behind the next song. Before we do get into Last Exit, I want to mention that there is a running theme throughout some of these songs in breaks and stuff like that where somebody in this crowd really 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 wants Crazy Mary. Crazy <laughs> a lot.
3: I heard that too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And because this show and this crowd is so intimate, and you're able to hear individual voices, he comes back, and he goes at it harder and harder each time. So we'll bring him up, we'll play his bits, give him the moment of the sun that never really paid off because they didn't play Grace and Mary at the show. So, last exit into Hail, Hail. It's kind of a reset after Given the Fly, I thought, because
3: it's got that feel of the early set again. And I like the reference to his speech in Last Exit, which is, don't ever tell him I'm here, where it's like, we're keeping this a secret for you guys. He refers back to that in the song, which is cool. But I actually thought Hail, Hail was one of the best performances of the main set. Had really, really good energy. It was a near perfect version.
1: Hail,
0: Hail was fantastic. I think I heard something in there that was, I refer to those with the beach ball or something like that. Mm. Like, I guess a beach ball is being passed around and Ed kind of notices it.
3: Wouldn't be surprised.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not even He said beach something, but I'm going to just assume that it was beach ball in there. So that's kind of, you know, his eyes on the crowd and paying attention to everything that's going on. Let's get into the hit section here. It's Small Town, it's Better Man, it's Daughter, it's crowd-friendly, and it's sing-alongs. You set up the last 11 there, all the pins, and then you're going to knock them down with these just great energy anthems. Those songs that came before, those are energy songs. These three are anthems of Pearl Jam. That's kind of what makes them a little bit different and why it's so special that you got what you got in the beginning. I think the daughter can just be something in and of itself. But what I really loved out of Better Man was that you got a a fun back and forth with the crowd and last week when we did Chicago, he just gave it to the crowd, and the crowd sang the whole entire first verse through chorus. This was different, and I kind of like this just as much as that because Ed starts singing, and he starts singing She Lies and Says She's in Love with Him, and then gives it to the crowd to sing. He stops entirely, gives it to the crowd, and I thought that that was a very cool moment. She
2: lies and says she's in
3: is actually a video of Better Man, just from the show. It's only the one song, but just from someone's probably flip phone camera, very washed out. But you see him, you know, step back from the microphone, and he's all smiles, having a great time with it, you know, loving it. Before I get back to Better Man, I think that this little section here—I don't think that this is Mark Richards' section. I think he went—he went from Hail Hail to Whipping, and Ed was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa." <laughs> we, we gotta do something in the middle Because this is a long main set to 20 songs Yeah I think Ed probably came in and was like Let's, we gotta throw in some of these slower ones for me here You gotta break this up a little bit So this is too much of an abrupt shift from what was happening That I, I have to think this is Ed going like Let me throw these in here and then we'll get back to yours So Better Man I thought was I didn't think it sounded good in the middle when I was listening to the bootleg, like, I was like, "This kind of sounds a little bit thin. Like, I don't know what's going on. Something's off." I went back and watched the video, and I don't know if Ed he breaks a string or he has some kind of guitar issue in the middle of the song when he's supposed to be playing guitar. Like, a tech has to come out and take the guitar from him. They have to like do some work on it. Again, the video is very washed out. You can't you can't get a really good detailed look at what's happening, but. Tech comes out, takes the guitar off him, he's singing for a little while, then they bring another guitar out, then he comes back and kicks in for the chorus and the jam, and then it comes back and you like, okay, that's the Better sound that you're used to hearing, but I was glad for at least that one video to explain kind of why that sounded to me.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. that's interesting. I don't think I even caught that, and I didn't get a chance to watch the video. I did search for stuff, but I, I found something that was like 17 seconds. So I just kind of said, "Yeah, I'm not I'm not dealing with that." So yeah, that, that that's interesting that kind of transpired. But I I didn't really notice anything from listening to it on just the audio bootleg. Let's get into Daughter here, yeah. and let's talk about everything that kind of goes on in Daughter because everybody knows the moment that happened at the show box where he starts to tag war. What is it good for? And he just starts to go off bringing that back. It it had been since 2004, like over a hundred shows since, since he's done it. So that's like another thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like those are important for that era. And I wonder if the reasoning of why they did it is maybe a little bit of a throwback to 2003 because the Iraq war had started when they were in Australia doing that tour. So I wonder if that's something that was on their mind, whether it could have been anything from, you know, something came out that day, some kind of news or like he had a friend or something like that that reached out and he was just getting pissed about the situation more and more and more. But I think that's what all kind of led to that happening
3: yeah yeah and it's a little strange you know i had this run from 2002 to, to 2004 where it was just very timely and it got very aggressive and very intense like you mentioned and then like 2005 like bush is still in office war still going on but they're not playing it and then they bring it back here and it's it's a long tag too like he goes on for a while there's a little improv too he says you know mother give me peace mother and father just let me have peace my peace I wonder if he's just feeling kind of the fatigue that this is all still going on and troops are still over there and still hearing about it and I think that little improv gives you a little bit of insight into why it's happening here
2: mother, give me- I'm falling, just let me have-
0: Kind of the visions of what he was doing in the show box i don't think he's ever going to match that vigor and anger that he did that night but the same kind of thing when he goes no war no more war and when he does that whole thing i think that brings back that classic moment and that idea and and this crowd getting something like that is a special moment for the show i want to get into another section here featuring four songs because again They're not going to really stop in between any of these. They're going to stop for a second and and make a little bit of a change, but that's about it. It's whipping Leatherman down in Evolution. And it seems like after your hit trio, you're, you're going back, and like you said, Mark Richards probably put them all down here for a reason. And not all of them, because there were some audibles that were made on the fly, but yeah, whipping seems like he probably wanted to pick that a little bit earlier it's a fast version and i really loved out a whipping all of cameron's little fills and rolls on it it just kind of empowered the song and allowed it to go the speed that it was going the version that i really liked here was i love leatherman i don't say that often leatherman is kind of same category to me as unemployment in a way i think it's a little it's Ooh. it's a little ahead but it's just one that whenever I hear it live, whenever we get it in the show, it's one that I don't have much to say about it. However, this version being played here, for some reason, when we get it on other versions, it can sound a little awkward. It can sound a little clunky because the way that he's singing doesn't really match the melody as much. It feels like it's just a little bit off before the chorus so that kind of throws me off in the beginning but for some reason this version just has a wonderful drive all the way through where the band was able to almost in a way soar with it like they would on a given a fly or something like that it really flew the whole thing felt pretty inspired especially coming off of the rest of the momentum that they were going it felt different than other versions of leatherman that, that i had heard in the past it could be something that's in the air, it could just be me, and I don't think of this song in that way, but yeah, this is one of the better and maybe the best Leatherman versions I've ever heard. Huh? Cool. Yeah,
3: I, I love Leatherman. I, I love that they decided to break it out here after, you know, Ed, they kind of meet, and, oh, we're going to have a little change of plans here. And it's fun, it's energetic, they always just kind of bust through it, Ed really gets into it. Yeah, I'm with you, I like this a lot. Going back to Daughter and, and to Whipping 2, he comes on, I think, I don't know if you mentioned it, he says, oh, this is another song about taking a beating, which is like, you know that about those two songs, but like, hearing him say it, it's kind of like, oh, okay, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: connecting the two.
3: Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, Down, of course, is one that, that they always like to break out whenever they get a chance. and, and That was an audible like as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I love this section, you know. I, Ed was probably right. You probably needed Small Town Better Man and Daughter in the middle there, but g- immediately getting back to your deep cuts and B-sides here.
0: Yeah. And when they do stop to kind of make that adjustment to play Leatherman, who do you hear but. It's, it's on! It's on! It's on! Yeah, he can't stop. He can't stop yeah. himself. And I think there's a point that comes a little bit later where Ed will look at him and be like, you, you're right, dude? Like, what's, what's happening here? And I, I don't know what came out of that, but I wonder if maybe Crazy who was on the set to begin with, and he was just like, all right, mm-hmm. I don't want to give this guy the time of day. But yeah. anyway look, finishing this little section with evolution was great. And the moment where, you know, Ed asked Emmyers friend stone, I think there was a great crowd reaction during that. And yeah, yeah. good moment. And the crowd is really on their game during this. They're loving this show and who can blame them. So they're about uh, to love it even more.
3: I think Ed's so enthralled with stone that he, he forgot the words to the next verse after that
0: he did. Yep. yep. But Hey, what can you do? All right, Ed's going to take a break here and says, and this section too, outside of the little powwow that they do, I don't think they stop between Last Exit, hell hell, Small Town, Better Man, Daughter, and then if you want to go back to saying Whipping Leather Man Down, Evolution, like little breaks. Not much more than that. That's another nine essentially in a row. That's pretty good. So after Ed says, we're making a guess up here of a couple of songs that you'll want to hear that we don't normally play. Just a guess, I don't know why this one didn't make the record, but you don't know those things at the time. And for the second time, all time, we get Undone. gorge in 2005 and then it was 111 shows since they had played it from that moment so and now that we're sitting here later that's almost 15 years after the fact we had gotten it three more times from that date it hasn't been played since boston in 2010 that's a lot so that's where we sit right now there was 111, now there's 222 since it's been played. 4,561 days from this recording was the last time that they played Undone watch That's a lot oh, of days. That's, that's brutal. It's currently seventh on the in-hiding list that Dave has put on LiveFootsteps.org. So, it's up there. They don't do it. And I don't know why they're not thinking about it. I think... You know, where we stand right now, Undone fits our current situation that we just you know, lived through in the past week where we had an yeah. election, and it was a really important election. And I think this is a criminally underrated song. I don't know why they don't play it anymore.
3: Yeah, I, I love these Riot Act B-sides, and I always kind of lump this one in with Other Side, too. And they, they did bring back Other Side this year, so did. hopefully Undone is not done. And we will see it again at some point. I love this. Just, you know, again, this sounds like it wasn't even on Mark's list. He probably was even like, oh, I'm not, that That one's too far out for even me to pick. <laughs> but they're like, all right, we'll 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 throw this one in. And it's that kind of night. So the performance, I thought, was a little tentative. But again, they pick it up. And once they get through a couple of measures and a couple of verses, it, it picks up and gets good. Yeah, just one of those really special things that you you don't ever get and we hardly ever get to talk about. I think Ed's right. I wish it had been on, on Riot Act. You know, Riot Act's kind of been on our minds with the 20th anniversary here this past week, too, so if you give me a chance to retrack Riot Act, I'm, I'm putting this on there.
0: Yeah, I think it would be really, really tough to get all 18 songs, but yeah, I think I would want to try to get Undone on it, too. The, the thing that I really love about this is just that chord progression. There's such a warmth that come from those chords together. Usually out of Pearl Jam songs, you're getting stuff that can be janky. You're getting stuff that can be very riffy, but this just feels very open. It kind of feels like one of their patented car songs that you can like listen to it on a long drive or something like that. It It feels feels like 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 a yule going. Yeah. Okay. I can buy that. Yeah, I can buy that. Yeah. Put that before or after MFC, like near low light, something like that. Sure. I can buy it another thing i really liked about this performance that extra jam at the end there's a couple of songs that they do that on in their catalog and i think one of the most prominent ones right now probably is whoever said but yeah i just love that little bit at the end it it just gave it if they played it more than five times that could be the moment from this song live. All right, finally we're gonna end the main set. It's gonna be Rearview Mirror. We get a Plucky Tease intro in this, and then a bridge that has a lot going on. <laughs> think that the MVP of this bridge is Matt Cameron. He is just shifting paces all different moments and he's got foot on the gas at one point and he's like, all right, come on, everybody, come on. Let's kind of pick it up, let's follow my lead. And then he brings it down a little bit and Ed's doing the Ebo in the background. Everybody's got their own little piece happening in here that makes it kind of really unique and also very artsy version. That's what I would say about this. It's very artsy, avant-garde.
3: I love whenever they do the forgive, forget too, and this one's a little bit different from what we normally get. Like more leaning towards the forgive part, but yeah, I'm with you. Cameron just steals the show on this; just absolutely stellar.
0: All right, that was one hour and 19 minutes to complete 20 songs in a main set. That's, I mean, you're making good time with that. That's pretty impressive. Yeah,
3: you look at whipping Leatherman, the early stuff with Save You. Three minutes. Yeah, hail, hail, last exit. Yeah, not in- especially
0: not a lot of talking either.
3: Yep, yep.
0: All right, we're at the encore. Let's pause for station identification, talk about the things we talk about here. Let's thank one person this week, Michael Fisher, who we got to meet in St. Louis, and yeah, it was great yeah. to meet him. Really okay. nice guy. And he increased his tier to the GigaLeg tier this week. So thank you very much, Michael. And what Michael gets in the future is he gets an episode request for any show that he wants us to cover in the future. So very cool. Can't wait to see what he picks. And for all of you out there that want the same thing, that want to cover some of our expenses and help out with liveonfourlegs.com, the website, uh, those are important things that we're saving up for right now. And we're always in need of funds, whether it's a dollar a month, $5, $10, whatever, it's always going to be going into a useful aspect. So if you're interested in contributing a little bit to the show and getting some exclusive episodes, we have a little bit on the table that's about to come up. We've been released. The set list drafts, which we'll talk about in a second. They've been a first look on Patreon and evolution episodes. They're coming, more are coming. So we got one. I think we're going to get in the bank really, really soon. And we'll put some emphasis on doing the exclusives very early on in 2023 as well. So a lot going on over there. If you want to join up, it is patreon.com slash live on four legs. You can also download the Patreon app. And just search for Live on Four Legs. will pop up because nobody else wants that name. And if you want to sign up through our website and listen to everything through our website, it is just liveonfourlegs.com. And look for the button at the top of every page that says Become a Patron. It's nice and bright and orange. Click on it. It will give you the directions right there. But, yeah. Everything here helps, everything here matters. So I tell this to people all the time that that say, hey, why haven't you covered this yet? And I'm just saying, because you haven't requested this yet. So if there's something that you want us to do, please, please, please join up on the Giga Leg or Horizon Leg tier and we can make it happen. And all of you that are on the Giga or Horizon Leg tier right now that haven't pitched their episode, let's go. We want it for 2023. We're closing in on on getting that year scheduled out, so we want to get your stuff in there, especially if you've been a patron for a while. So, yeah, let's get that all out there. Let's talk about the set list drafts a little bit because we released one last week, and we're kind of on this little run here where we're going to do four groups in this little batch, and the winner of each four we'll end up going to a final round. John, do you want to explain a little bit of like what's happening and what's going to happen when we get to the finals? Yeah,
3: so the setless draft, if you remember, we did these a couple years ago. What we're doing this time is we're drafting sets based on what Pearl Jam played in 2022. So you have to kind of pick songs that were played this year. You know, we've only done kind of one as we record here. It was a lot of fun. I think it ended up being really cool. I was really impressed. And you guys are going to be the ones to vote for the winner. So whoever ends up being the winner based on your votes is going to go to the final round in December. And we're gonna do, I think, one of those live streams with Anthony from Touring Fan Live, where we will kind of mix it up and have some fun with it. So that, that that's always that's always great. I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, we tested that out last year, and it was a whole lot of fun. Oh, it's a game amazing. show aspect. We called it Setlist Frenzy, where you make a set list prior to it, and you know people can cherry pick your songs. You spin a wheel, and things can happen to your set. It's total and utter chaos, and I can't wait for that to be implemented in the final round because that'll just be a lot of fun and i think that our competitors will just get a kick out of it as well so yep that's what we got over there i think we can get back to the rock now big boom 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 chance instead of you know the the traditional boom so yeah that's this- that one crazy merry guy Oh, is he, is he set, is that him during, leading the way? I'm just thinking that, you
3: know, during the encore, he got everyone in his section. He's like, come on guys. We, we got a champ for boom. So they'll so they'll play. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm surprised that people. I would think yeah. that at that point people would be like, "All right, guy, let's let's tone it down a little yeah. bit." But you know, friendly Australians probably have his back. Sure. Who wouldn't? Crazy want to Mary's a Crazy popular Mary. pick.
3: Yeah, and not like he was asking for something you know, free or anything.
0: No, and if it's up on the rail, then people would be like, "Hey, let's get some wine." So yeah. it's yeah. not a bad deal at all. Ed says, yeah, that's Boom Gaspar. You must know him. How you all going so far? I'm sure glad that our band, actually me, I'm glad that I had the idea to come play Newcastle. Nothing selfish about it. Nothing about having a very good friend who's going to take me out surfing tomorrow. Actually, it wasn't our idea. I'm going to tell you about that later. But first, we'd like to play a song that is as close to a love song as we get, and I'd like to dedicate it to Jenny, which we'll find out later is the wife of Mark Richards. Yep. So we're going to get this section. That would be your cool down, thumbing my way, masters of war footsteps. This is a great trio, trio of songs. I really, really like and thumbing my way to kick it off. You only get Ed and boom on this. What'd you think of that?
3: Great. Yeah. I love this. And thumbing my way is one that like, Yes, I love the full band versions, but I think just having Ed and Boom gives us a little more sparseness to it. Like there's a little more room in the song. It doesn't feel like overwrought a little bit, keeps it simple. I thought this was really nice.
0: Are you more of a fan of the full band or or this kind of song? Like what's your preference? Um, I mean,
3: it's hard to pick i I love the full band stuff like i said going back to the chop suey video of this i thought it's excellent but again i like when they mix it up it's the opposite of just breathe right just breathe i want i want full band but for something like this where it's it's a rarity it's something they don't do all the time they want to do Ed and boom only give the rest of the band a break especially after a long main set like that i'm fine with it
0: Oh, yeah, you know, this being the more stark version, but I actually kind of like the full band better. It's able to soar a little bit. It's able to kind of bring in that rise and build, and I think sounds really, really nice. I wasn't missing it here, but just a good thing to bring up just because of, you know, the uniqueness of this version. Crazy Mary guy comes back in between these two songs.
1: No, I asked one guy, what was that? Yeah, um, I'll give you my cell phone. You can call it in a bag,
0: and then you can I'm not sure if he's addressing this guy. I don't know what he's addressing. Without yeah. video we don't have any of this, so I'm gonna guess that this guy is very loud and it being such an intimate building that he probably noticed that this guy was saying something. So Probably I love the Masters of War, and I think that the thing that really stood out was Mike's slide guitar on this. The song had great acceleration that mixed in with the tension here, and played a little bit faster, probably like a step faster of other versions, but what I liked you know, building into the tension and giving this more of an acceleration was that when Ed's voice begins to soar, when he gets to that moment where he holds out that note, the band starts to push it, the band starts to elevate it, and I think that's what made this version feel pretty uplifting. This is more of a obviously a stark song, like a a dark song, but yeah, I think doing that kind of gave this a little bit of that soaring aspect in a song that usually you wouldn't put in that category.
3: I like, to. you'd hear Ed get progressively more and more worked up and more and more intense as the song builds, and that's always cool.
0: Hey, you know, maybe there is some legs to the whole something happening in the war yeah. part because, yeah. you know, the war tag there, and and obviously you mentioned it before the last time they were in Australia being the part of it, so maybe it's just on his mind. Footsteps is going to close it out, and I think during the harmonica part in the bridge you can hear the crowd clapping along and it feels like, again, another one just like Masters of War, it's just gradually building and building to hit the sweet spot and then when Ed's voice is able to soar, it really captures the cathartic moment of the song I thought I thought it was done tremendously and the crowd had great participation on it
3: uh, I agree, very very good
0: It says, I like to give credit where credit's due. There are 2,277 reasons why we're here tonight. So this is interesting because we said that, you know, Mark Richards made the set and he had a hand in helping them get there in a way. But I think that this sort of added into it, too. He says, great to see some activists in action, even if it's something as trivial as getting a band to play their hometown. So he mentions them by a name. Rob Wilson, Andrew McCollum, Mark Waddingham secured 2,277 signatures in order to see our presence tonight. Thank you for the encouragement. It's nice to be needed, and sometimes you need to hear it every once in a while. And then he proceeds to read the names. He jokes that he's he's
3: like, all right, now I'm going to read all of them. And like kind of jokes and then there's one where he's like, Oh come come and get your diplomas to the left and like turns it into a whole thing. The first thing I thought of when he brought this up was like, Do I know two thousand two hundred and seventy six people in Atlanta that I can get a show there?
0: So you're going one less than what they had Well, I've got me. I've got me. So I need more people.
3: I need to to yeah. That that was oh. my first thought is I need to make some friends.
0: I think you're gonna to, have to uh, push to get it. a
3: show here. Yeah,
0: I think you're gonna have to push it up. That number is gonna have to be high. No, you have right? to feel comfortable in your city. Inflation.
3: Again. Inflation. You
0: know, now after this whole little bit that the crowd gets to learn of this and responds nicely to it, you hear Crown of Thorns, and back then they were not using the chloe dancer opener so to hear those chords kind of come in and the crowd react to it right afterwards it's another in the same vein of alive of whoa what is going on right
1: now means a lot we appreciate it uh we'd like to dedicate this song uh, to you but especially the uh, the three interrogators
2: The fade and glory say who you ride the phone in someday fall. I was talking to my altar they said life is what you make it And if you make it death well rest your soul common to
0: hear in sets nowadays but at this point there had only been 12 versions of the song so it has to feel like a serious treat to get it and it's still a serious treat it's not the ultra rare song but it does feel whenever you get it it is turning into a special moment but yeah i loved it i mean it had the big moments and You know, when Jeff's bass comes in and builds up to the ending, that elevated and and you're able to kind of feel just the presence and like soloing, shrieking away, this was a great version. And for a crowd that has had a lot of, and they're not done, they'll get another one right here, a lot of special surprises in this set, Crowd of Thorns is a good one for them
3: how about you know i really like footsteps and crown of thorns together because footsteps obviously goes back two times of trouble and jump of the yep. dog and then crown of thorns being the mother love bone kind of a nice duo there to kind of pay tribute to their history a little bit crown of thorns i thought yeah unique version because I, I don't remember any that i've heard where ed is almost screaming the words he was getting really into this more than i remember hearing
0: I think that might just feed off of some of the moments in the encore. Maybe he just doesn't have a lot of reps but, uh, with this song,
3: so I Masters think just, war hangover, still still worked up by something. But he was, it it, 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 he was almost screaming by the end of this.
0: This is the first time that they had played it in 32 shows. The last time they had played it was in the end of August of 2006. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure this is just one that he was he was ready to belt out. You said, like, having Footsteps and Crown of Thorns back-to-back, you might want to add in the next one, but maybe even the next two, because all four of these songs were written either before 1990 or in 1990. Yep. So that's very interesting. Alone is going to follow up on Crown of Thorns. And like I said, you're getting more and more. They're giving you more and more out of this. And I think when you get you know, that one more rare after you just got a rare, that just becomes, this is unbelievable now. Like, how are we deserving of this almost? And it just fun, great performance. It felt like this was pretty short for Alone. I don't know if you felt the same way. It felt like it was about like less than two and a half minutes long. But I it's a it's a
3: short song, but it felt like they didn't extend the outro. Tried like they to did in the early nineties. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's it seemed like Matt kind of came in a little bit early to put a stamp on it, and Ned's like, "All right, I guess I'm not doing that tonight." Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the serious Australian collectors are out, and they definitely these the hunters and collectors, if you will. I, know I like that. Nice. No, I like that. That's very good. But now I think that if you are collecting, if you're collecting common songs, but you're collecting them in a fashion of, hey, I saw this in this spot, Even Flow is the first 10 song in the set and last one since since Alive. Yep. They don't play Once, they don't play Why Go, they don't play Jeremy. Uh, Even Flow is the first song from 10 since the opener. And yeah, footsteps and alone, same time period, so it's not like they didn't cover that base, but even flow to close out the first encore, that's a really, really nice treat. We've talked about even flow and encores, but to close an encore like this, I mean, you're getting juiced up and, and Mike's ripping away into it and holding out those notes, you know, busting the electric speed, while Matt's providing a frenetic pace, all of it is really good but it's 2006, so what makes the most sense out of this version?
3: You're gonna get the long drum solo from Cameron, oh, yeah. and it's very, very good. It's been a while since we covered one, I think, good. and we've got a lot to go in 2006, but if they're gonna have a lot to live up to to be this good. Very, very impressive.
0: earlier with Alive kind of being in a goosebump moment where he says, I'm ready to play for you. I think you kind of at the end here, it's sort of surreal because you don't get even flow ever closing out a set like this. And instead of doing the yeah, yeah, never vote Republican, he's saying, thank you very much. And I think that like because it's so different and because he was so earnest in that moment, that's got to be another thing when you're there or listening to it on boot. I felt it. I'm like, ooh, Oh, that's, that's good. It makes you miss this show, if you know what I mean. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, very cool.
0: As the song fades out, Crazy Mary guy cannot contain himself. So, yeah, keep riding on, Mr. Crazy Mary. Dude. Sir. Encore two. It says, give yourselves a hand. This room feels more like a party than a concert. We're going to give you all the credit, but give yourselves a big round of applause. We'd like to thank somebody, but first, let's thank somebody in particular. Let's first thank his wife, Jenny. Let's thank his two boys, Kyle and Nathan, and a beautiful girl named Grace for letting him come to all but three of our Australian shows. He's inspired us each night, as he's done for the past 25 years or so. We are going to name this concert after him. They call it the Triannual Newcastle Mark Richards Invitational. The Mayor of Newcastle, Prime Minister of all things Ocean, Mark Richards. And he comes on on stage, and he's just getting this rousing round of applause. And he's got a beer in tow, and it seems like everybody is asking for him to chug. And the way that they do that in Australia is skull, skull, skull. So he obliges and he gets through it And I think that that gets the crowd really excited. That leads to Ed to kind of quip. Somebody's got to drive him home. And to end it, Mark gets on the mic and says, is this the best fucking band on the planet or what? Or what?
3: That's the big moment, right? Hilarious hilarious just in his like thick australian accent that we know from again i'm gonna go back to the two feet thick because he says evidently makes the whole band blush and like they kind of have him one like oh shucks we're not the best fucking band on the planet but i mean yeah with a set like this you know you, you can make that argument this is cool and you, you can just feel the energy in his voice like he's having the greatest night of his life here
0: yeah for sure and like ed mentioned it's been a party all night and they're definitely playing into that factor when they're closing this out. Corduroy is gonna start it off, and as we talked about last week, love Corduroy opening up an encore, especially an Encore 2 where it's like, okay, we're getting ready to pack up and go home. It just explodes right from the top. Another, that you'd think, absolute thrill and surprise for the crowd and band is on top of it the whole way. Mike's solo in this was one of the best solos in the night, I thought was excellent, just really charged up. And that same energy that they had in the beginning of the set, there was just no give to this. 30 songs, and they all felt super energetic and maintained that, that kind of bubble through the end of this.
3: Yeah, and another one that's like, a popular song that we've heard a ton of times, but you, when you get it in a weird spot like this, it kind of makes your ears perk up a little bit and pay closer attention. Okay, this is interesting. I thought Corduroy was very good. And again, getting that rush of having Mark come out and having the, the kind of a cool moment. And like Encore 2 is, is a celebration. Like obviously you don't have a live because they opened with it. So you're kind of switching off in Corduroy here to, to open Encore 2. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic.
1: We're
0: gonna go two Neil Young songs back to back here, fucking up, and then rocking in the free world. Doing the research on this, fucking up into rocking in the free world, in this order, happened five times, and this is the last one to date. So it's kind of a a rare treat. Just to get two Neil songs back to back, regardless. But, you know, this being the last time that two of the most prominent Neil Young covers that they do, getting them back to back, I think is tremendous for this. And it's all about the solos and, and Stone and Mike kind of playing off each other, both getting back to back solos in both songs. Sounded terrific. Like, is it's just another great way to fulfill the party aspect in this set.
3: I would think the other towns would probably be Canadian, if not. Toronto specifically it it looks like
0: 1998 stuff but I don't I don't really know if it was Canadian I'm sure one of them were but
3: but yeah I mean this is like I said this is just go stone go like the stone solo on fucking up is just surreal I thought it was amazing and then he has another really good one on rocking the free world and then Mike comes in with the last solo on rocking the free world and just tears it apart yeah just just having fun
0: now, Ed just introduces the whole entire band, thanks Kings Leon for opening, and thanks Newcastle, tells them to get their soldiers back. Ledbetter comes in. He says, Mexico, like right off the top, I'm wondering if he saw a flag or something. Yeah, I think he did. And this is just... We haven't gotten a version of Ledbetter that does this in a very long time, and the one that I can remember that does exactly the same thing happens in a couple of days maybe like two weeks after this show. We're talking about the Hawaii show where they did it. And Ed was kind of egging them on, like, all right, let's go, Little Wing, let's go, let's go. And they do that. They make the transition from Ledbetter into Little Wing here. And it's not just Mike just noodling and doing a little bit of it. It is a full rendition, lyrics, full solo, everything like that. (laughs) in addition to everything you got it's just another thing another thing on the checklist that you're just like i thought they would just do lead better and get out of here and that was enough but they had to outdo themselves for this
3: i think it's it's always kind of funny and a little bit jarring when they do the full little wing because yeah like it's three four minutes and like you get really involved in it and like all right yeah i'm into this and then when it's over, you would think that, like, okay, that's the end. Like, Little Wing's going to finish it up. But no, Mike immediately just goes back to the the end of the Ledbetter solo. And it's like, okay, that's funny. But I guess, like, sure, you got you to gotta end on Yellow Ledbetter. So it's like a little four-minute— prize almost. Little Wing, yeah. And then immediately switches back. To like, to And then it, it kind of hit me like, oh, yeah, that, that's what was happening to end the show there. It's always funny when he just goes back to the last, like, 30 seconds of Ledbetter after this whole Little Wing tag.
0: Yeah, if you caught it, there was also, it was kind of a blink and you miss it kind of thing. There was a small, small snippet of the beginning of uh, Hey Joe. So if you caught it, then that's what I, I noticed. It, you didn't do it for very long. So there you go. That finishes up a fantastic 30 song set list. Let's go to you first to pick the three moments of the night.
3: All right. Man, this is, this is tough. A lot of good ones here my number three is going to be who let's go with undone number three i will say this is tough i normally am more prepared for these i'll go daughter number two and alive number one
0: yeah i think with this set it's not about the individual songs. It's, it's a team sure. effort. It's a team effort in this show. So yeah, I'm kind of in the same manner and I'm basically ending up very similar as you. Cause there's not a lot of other places to go with it in my eyes, but I am going to go number three, life wasted because I think after live, you needed to find a way to come back from that because if they went into something else, like you know, it could have been anything and and it just fell flat, then you're like, okay, what's going on here? But I don't think it would ever fall flat, first of all. But Life Wasted was just a wonderful way to continue that momentum and build off of it and, you know, really bring it out of the rest of the set that happened. I'm going to say, as my number two is Undone, we don't get to talk about it at all, so it was great to kind of hear it again and We've also covered four of the five versions of this. So the opportunity to hear this more often on this show is not going to come by very often. We'd have to do the Beacon Theater show from 2008, and then that's it. Then we don't get any other opportunities to no, talk about it's them. I'm Done.
3: It's jersey so It's going to go up in the rafters after that. It's going to be retired. It
0: is, along with Bugs and... Yep, yep. I think Bugs might be the only one. We, uh, smaller songs, I think. And then number one is Alive. No explanation needed for that. That was, of course, the moment, what everybody talks about from the show. All right. Handing it off to you. What does the rating for this set get? It was a good one.
3: Yeah. It's hard because, like, you have a third party making the set list, right? So you kind of have to judge it on a different scale a little bit and like this is kind of the set that everybody wants now right like why can't they just come out and play all the lost dogs like that that's what that's what everybody wants i think it's it's an excellent excellent show and if you're one of those people that wants more lost dogs in a set then you should definitely drop whatever you're doing and go listen to this immediately because you will have a great time. But I think it suffers from a little bit of balance and big moments. So I know it's tempting to give it the 10 because it's fantastic. The band's having a great time, a lot of cool songs. But I think in keeping in mind the bigger picture and not falling into that trap of being like, oh, it has a bunch of lost dogs, so it has to be one of the best shows ever. I'm going to go nine and a half.
0: Yeah, I I see what you're saying about the big moment. I think there were big moments in this, though. I just think that because it was so unique and different from other set lists that the formula is not really there to make this consistent. But I think to that point, everything that happens in these sections, it's not just about like a big moment per se, it's about just the entire thing like i said it's it's a team game in this so you know it's about the big nine song section to to begin the show it's about the three hits that they did right in the middle that that smacked you there it's about the stuff that they did in the encore the the first three thumb in my way masters war footsteps And you get these pieces that are all fantastic. I thought that even with Mark's inclusion on this, I think he did a phenomenal job in picking this. But yeah, Ed, of course, has to throw in other stuff in order to to balance it out. Honestly, I think it was balanced really well. And front to back, I had just enjoyed every little part of it. I think it is an important show. I think it does deserve that distinction. If it's not top 50, then it's knocking on the door. This is a 10 for me. Wow. So another week, another week where we just miss out on a whole, this has happened.
3: We've been on a really good run the last month. Like some very, very good shows.
0: Yeah. It's, it's very, very hard. If it's not top 50, it's
3: top 100. It's in that next group oh yeah Yeah, I I agree
0: and you do it because you know it's a popular show you know it's a famous show but you also do it because there are people out there that it might not be in their wheelhouse they might not think about it so you bring it up and people are going to be like okay yeah now I'm in I know why this is important and hopefully we've convinced you that the show is important enough to listen to I think an aggregate rating of a 9.75 or whatever I think that's that should pretty much do it Let's talk about next week. We haven't gone back to South America in a very long time. I want to say it was June of last year that we did something South America. That's our fault. Nobody else is to blame aside from us. I think that we had one planned, and then we decided to do all these shows that were hyping up the tour dates and stuff like that. So it just kind of got passed over, but we will do more plan is to do a couple more in 2023 to get those in. And really, South America has some of the best shows, but how many people go back to the South American shows more than they go back to the U.S. shows? Like They need to be discussed. They need to be broken down. That's what we're going to do. So the one that we're going to do next week is going to be Sao Paulo from 2005, the Night 2 show. That was a Patreon request from Mike Radke. So... He's getting one in, and he said he wasn't at the show, but absolutely loves this bootleg. Not a show I've listened to before, but very, very excited to get into it. So our
3: crazy Mary fan from the show will be happy that that they played that one there. Hey, make, hopefully he sure, made the make trip sure and listen. Yeah,
0: yeah, hopefully you made the trip. So, all right, thanks for listening to this one. It was a fun show, fun episode. And if you subscribe to us on any of the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, wherever, please make sure that you go in, give us a little rating and help us out. If you love the show, please give us a five star rating. It can be very, very helpful for us. And then if you subscribe on Apple, leave a comment for us and let the world know what you think about what we're doing. And that's kind of what happens over here it's word of mouth so you tell a friend a friend is going to tell a friend and another friend is going to tell a friend and then by the end of this everybody will have listened to at least one episode of this show something that was a memory that they had and hopefully all enjoy what we bring to the table so thanks everybody for listening in this may be the end we're here but not for much longer and although we may be parting ways miss you already miss you always Props to you guys in Australia because you really had a special one, especially for you Newcastle guys that didn't get one after this and hoping to do a lot more Australia in the future. This ain't the last. But next week, South America. We'll see you then.
3: Is this the best fucking band on the planet or what?
1: And uh, he's inspired us uh, each night as he has done for about 25 years or so. Uh, We are going to name this concert after him. The triannual Newcastle Mark Richards invitational. Please welcome the stage, Mark, the mayor of Newcastle, the Prime Minister of All Things Ocean, Mark Richards. And this uh we've stayed in touch uh over the years and uh he knows our music well and uh i offered him the opportunity to uh we offered him the opportunity to put together a set list so this was his set list tonight but if we were going to play his set list he was going to have to do something for us The name of this band, do you remember? No. (laughs) All right, somebody's going to need to drive Mark home again. Thanks for bringing us to your home, Mark. Thank you.
3: the best fucking band on the planet or what?